campuses. And I just want to say a big hello to those who are watching uh, online. So great to have you join us. Church, can we say a big hello to all of those wherever they are in the world? Amen. Amen. Nothing will stop the song in your heart like sin. I'll say it again. Nothing will stop the song in your heart like sin. Sin is a is a song stealer. Sin is a strength sapper. Is this an awkward way to begin the message? I don't know. I just, uh, we're going to go there today. And, and I hope you hear my heart. You see, I know that sin is a song stealer and a strength sapper, not because I read about it, not because I'm preaching to you a theory today that I've studied and it's come, I have come to the conclusion. Now, I'm not, not telling you that because I've read it. I'm telling you that because I've experienced it. I'm telling you that because I, I, I know it. I know it to be a, a, a part of my, my journey because I've got issues. Don't look at me like that. You, you have issues too. Come on. You all got issues. But sin wants to steal your song. Sap your strength. Someone said this, my friend, Anon. I've told you that I always thought, who is Anon? He's amazing. It's anonymous for those who don't know. But it says this, sin will add to your troubles, subtract from your energy, and multiply your difficulties. Well, you already know that already. What does sin do? It Sin separates. And, and I know you might be, oh, Pastor, this is, this is a hard message. Well, I'll tell you, it's harder for me to preach. Come on, somebody. But what does sin do? It's, it separates. It separates. Sin separates. The prophet Isaiah warned God's people when he said, Surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save, nor his ear too dull to hear, but then it goes on to say, but, it must say, but. It's always a but. But your iniquities, it's an Old Testament word for sin. Your iniquities, it even sounds bad. Your iniquities have separated you from your God. Your, your, your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. Sin separates. It puts a distance between the creator and the created. It puts a distance between God and man. And so when people talk about, I'm far from God, understand this. They're not talking geographically, right? Because God is everywhere. He's omnipresent. There is no place that God is not. He is everywhere. 
everywhere. He is all present. So, so we can never be far away from Him geographically, but we can be relationally. When it's talking about we're far away from God, it's talking about that relationally. There's something, a distance comes in. I mean, you can be in a room like this full of people and still be alone if you don't have relationship. And so it's talking about that kind of distance. Sin separates. It brings in a, a, a distance between God and man. It separates us. It puts a relational distance between us. That is what sin does. It just does that. It just it's why Adam and Eve they hid from they hid from God. And, and sin will cause us rather to, to rather than running to God, it will cause us to hide from him. It will cause us to to, to, to where are you? It's what shame does. It's what guilt does. It's what, it will cause us to, to run from, from Him. That's what sin does. Like it's what is sin? What, if we were asking the question, what, what is sin? If that's what sin does, what, what is sin? And John, 1 John gives us a clear definition. It says, everyone who who sins, everyone who sins breaks the law. In fact, sin is lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. In other words, sin is a, the, the attitude and practice of, of, of breaking God's laws. And where do we find those laws? Of course, we find it in, in, in the Bible. We, we, we live in a world that talks about now your truth. You can have your truth. I've got my truth. You've got your truth. But I want to tell you that that makes no logical sense. People said there is no real truth. You've got to ask them, is that true? Because if there is, that's a self-defeating statement. There's, there's got to be at least one. But I want to tell you, Jesus is the way. He is the truth. Come on, He is the life. He's not, not just a truth. He's, he's the truth. And so when we're thinking about the Bible, when we're thinking about God's laws, where do we find them? We find them in the Scriptures. They're summed up in the, in the Ten Commandments. I know if I picked any one of us, we'd be able to say them off by heart. Amen. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody. So would you? No, I'm not going to call anyone. Summarized up, they, they, they define. What do the Ten Commandments do? They define they define what is right and what is wrong. They took the Ten Commandments down from schools in America. Maybe if thou shalt not kill was still hanging up there, maybe some schools would be a little bit safer. People want to remove that out of our vocabulary. They want to remove it out of our, out of our sight. But the Ten Commandments help us define what is right and what is what is wrong? And so the breaking of them constitutes, constitutes sin. But I want us to understand here today that sin is more than just something we do. I want you to understand that sin is not, in fact, just something we do. 
Because it's important because if we only see sin in terms of breaking a law, some external law, something out there, if we only see sin in that kind of ter- terms, we don't capture the fullness of what sin actually is. See, defining saw as, uh, sin as lawlessness, while True, what it does is it tends to make us only think in legal terms something external, like I broke this or I, I, I did that, and therefore I broke the law. We see it as an external thing. And so I'm sure everyone, when, when we do like that, I'm sure everyone in here can, uh, can agree that, that the robber and the, the, the murderer and the drunkard and the, the child abuser and the rapist, I'm sure everyone in here would agree they are sinners. But if we only see the law or lawlessness in terms of stuff that people do, we might, we might, when we look at those things, when we look at those people, lock them up. But we may start to think of ourselves when we look at them. We might start to think of ourselves as respectable citizens. That somehow we are good and that somehow, because isn't that what we do? We compare ourselves. I'm not as bad as him. In row three, four seats back. Everyone's counting. That's different for everybody. I'm just, I'm just telling you. Who is that? Everyone's. I'm better than this person. I'm better than that. And you know, when we look at it as an external thing, it's always going to be, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'm not like that one. And we might, we might start to get a picture, which I think is a wrong picture, that we are somehow respectable citizens, good, good people. Why am I spending time on this, it's because I think the church has lost the meaning and understanding. I'm not just talking about this church, I'm talking about the church or the weight of sin. So today I'm talking about, I want us to understand the, the, the weight. Because when you understand the weight of sin, my heart is that it will drive you into God. You see, the Bible says this, or Jesus said it actually, He said, he who loves much is forgiven much. When, when you understand the debt that has been paid, if you understand the debt of what Christ has accomplished for us on the cross, when you understand of how much, when you understand how much you've been forgiven, when you understand how much grace has been extended to you, when you understand what Christ has done, so that the freedom that you have can be enjoyed. And sometimes we just, listen, I just want to tell you, this is not a popular subject. Oh, I've just been waiting for something like this. Awesome, Pastor Adam, right before the picnic. Thanks a lot. Let's make a lot of lunch. You enjoy your sandwich, your sinner? Flip another steak, you worker of iniquity. I mean, it's just like, it's like, couldn't you pick a nice up subject? I can't pick an up subject because this is in danger of taking you down. Come on, somebody. I mean, you know, I so would love to preach a nice fluffy message that would make you all feel nice. Oh, that's so good. 
But there's a fire that burns. And we need to understand the, the, the different, we, can, we cannot avoid talking about these subjects. We cannot avoid thinking about these subjects. For, for we're on a rescue mission. I was having, uh, uh, we invited a whole lot of people around to a house last week for, uh, for, for su- Sunday. There were people who were new to the church and a whole, whole lot of people came came round. And as you know, I'm a fireman and that's, uh, uh, you can tell, right? Uh, 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 cruel, harsh, harsh. So we just started, someone said, I think it was uh, Ernie uh, there from South Africa. He was, he was just saying, uh, um, oh, are you a fireman? No, it was Kenneth. So uh, are you a fireman? I said, yeah, I've been doing that for 11 years and blah, 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 blah. And I said, yeah, my phone will go off if there's a fire and whatever. And then about five minutes later, everyone's there. We're just about to start with Sid Grace. And it goes, and it says house fire. And so when it says that, I know that's serious. And so then I could see where it was and I could see it was nearby. And I said, oh, well, it's season nearby. I don't know if I'll go because I uh, don't know if I go. Uh, but I, I went to the window. I said, guys, okay, it says it's just over here. We went to the window and coming up into the sky was a huge cloud of smoke. I was like, Houston, we have a problem. And I was like, I've got to go. I've got to go to this. I have to leave you. Because I don't know what's waiting there. I don't know if someone's in trouble. I don't know if someone's trapped. I don't know. Friends, we're on a mission. We're on a mission that, that, that we're, some of us, we're just happy. Happy to stay what we're doing when there's something burning over here. We're on a mission. We're not just here to do church every Sunday. We're not just here. You've got to understand there's a purpose behind what we do. There's a calling behind what we do. We don't just sit and enjoy. Well, let's burn. Let it burn, baby. I'm saved. I've got my ticket. I'm in. I'm in. Thankfully, nobody was, was injured in that. But he who loves much, friends, I want you, when you understand the weight of sin, he who loves much, or sorry, he who has been forgiven much, loves much. When you understand, if you say, ah, man, I'm, I'm no big deal. I'm quite cool, actually. I'm quite good. I'm good. Then you won't love much. Because you don't understand the weight. And so today, I, I'm wanting you to feel the weight. Feel it. Allow yourself the, the, the freedom to feel it. Allow yourself to the, the, uh, just, just go there. Go there. Allow yourself to understand that, that what Christ has done for your redemption. And so we cannot just think of sin as just some external thing that we do or there. We, we, we've got to understand it's much more than that. And this is where Jesus took a whole understanding of iniquity and, and, and sin to a whole other level. Jesus taught that sin was not just an external action. It was not just something we did. He, he said there was an internal aspect to this. It's not just an outside thing. It's an inside thing. He said, you have heard that it was said. You have heard that it was said that you shall not commit adultery. But I tell you, anyone who looks at a woman lustfully. I mean, who hasn't looked? 
No hands going up here. I mean, it's just like, who hasn't looked? Not just to let the ladies off lightly. Anyone who looks at that handsome guy, look at that bard. Ooh, Lord. Ooh, Jesus. Oh, my God. Did you see his abs? I've seen you on Instagram. Come on, somebody. It's just like. Let's go there. Might as well go there. If you you just look, are you kidding me? I mean, Jesus just took it to a whole other level. It's like, if you just look. I mean, who hasn't looked? Even I've looked. And felt the rough of my wife. (laughs) Keep your head straight. Just admiring God's creation. Come on, somebody. Come on, you've used that too. So don't don't you look at me like that. Angie in the 8 a.m. service, I don't know if she's... I don't know, she's 80-something or whatever. I don't know, she, 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 she's 80. She's like, well, what do I do, Pastor Adam? She's from Sri Lanka. It's not me looking, they're looking at me. <laughs> As Peter Riggle said, you're skating on thin ice there, Angie. Thin ice, thin ice. See, Jesus took it further. Sin begins in the, in the heart. In the heart, he who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. It's a heart issue. Sin begins, Jesus said, in the heart. James said, after desire has conceived, it gives birth. It has a baby. It gives birth to what? It gives birth to sin. Sin begins for us in our heart. John Wesley, the great evangelist, said, said this, Worst of all my foes, I fear the enemy within. I fear the enemy within. So sin is not just to be understood as the breaking of external laws. It's more than that. It goes further than that. Paul the Apostle said this. He says, As for you, You were dead in your transgressions. In the King James Version, it says trespasses. You were dead in your trespasses and sins. If you're new to the Bible today, you may not know, but the New Testament was originally written in in Greek. And when you look back into, you see these English words, and when you look to the original uh, Greek word, you can sometimes get deeper meanings or expanded meanings of what those words mean actually mean. The Greek words that's used there for trespasses or transgressions, I don't know if this is how you say it, I'm just going by what, is, what I've read in the commentary, but it's the word for trespasses is paraptoma. Everybody say paraptoma. Okay, just to help us now, say it like in Italian now. Paraptoma. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know if it's right, but that's what it is. Paraptoma. 
And it means this, it means to go off the path. We're looking at what sin is. It's not just breaking an external law. It, it means to go off a path, to, to fall or slip aside. It means to deviate from the right way. And, and, and how many know if you deviate from the path, you, you, you get what? You get lost. To deviate from the right path, to, to wander from a standard. The word sins is translated from the Greek here, hamatia. Everybody say hamatia. Do you want some of that on your pizza? No. Hamatia. But it's actually a military shooting term. Uh, that means this, to miss the mark. To miss the mark, to fail, to achieve, if you like, the bullseye. If that's the target, you're missing it. No matter how much, much you try, you're missing the mark. You fail to achieve it. To, to expand that, it means to, to fail at one's purpose. To go wrong, to fail again, to reach a standard or ideal. Sin is a missing of the mark. A deviating from the right path. The commentator William Barclay said about the essence of sin when trying to help us capture it. He said, sin is the failure to be what we ought to be and could be. In other words, we're, we're, we're missing what God intended for us. Sin, sin causes us to miss that mark, not hit the, hit the bullseye. Who's a sinner? Well, you are. Look at the person next to you. Yep, them too. Look at the other person you didn't want to look at. Turn to your wife, go on. It's just like, yep, them too. Come on, somebody. Them too. I'm a sinner. You're a sinner. Truth is, we all are. The Bible says, for all have sinned. All of us. All of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. I'm just, I'm wanting us to soak that in at the moment. Because I think sometimes we can, we can miss that and we, we go, oh no, we're all, I'm out, you know. I'm a church now. I mean, this is such a trusting environment. I was saying to some of the girls as we come in, I was like, look at these front seats here. Church is one of the only places, right, where you put $1,000 cell phones on your chair to, would you do that anywhere? Hey, I'm just in the mall and I'm just going to put my 1000 And someone, it was their credit cards. I think it was you, Kiss, yeah. Uh, uh, but it was, they had their credit cards all open, like, take one. <laughs> so I did. I bought five, 15 coffees. Thanks for that. But it's like we're, we're so trusting in this environment, which is kind of scary. That means we're all saved. There's no sinners in here. Come on. But, 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 but yeah, let, let's under, understand we're so trusting because we think, man, wait, this good. I'm in church. I'm good. No, you're not. 
You're actually bad. No, it, I'm bad. I'm bad. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But pastor, I haven't done anything wrong. I'm good. I'm good. I'm a good person. And this is, this is what Jesus was trying to help us understand in Matthew when he was talking about the state of our heart. In fact, Jesus said this. He said that no one is good except God alone. No one. No one is good but God alone. You see, he was wanting you and I to, to, to understand we're sinners. We're not sinners because we sin. We sin because we're sinners. It's in us. It's part of our nature. It's not something we do. It's something we are. To our very core, the prophet Jeremiah said this, the heart is deceitfully, deceitful above all things. This is why I say to people, don't follow your heart. You've heard me say that. Just follow your heart. No, don't. Well, he's married. It doesn't matter. He's hot. It's just what my heart's telling me. Your heart, Dumbo. Come on, I'm trying to save you here now. Your heart is deceitfully wicked. I feel, I don't care what you feel. We're to walk by faith, not by how we feel. Because you start going by your feelings. I'm telling you, go and mess yourself up. You're going to mess yourself up. I mean, you're clapping because you know it. Yeah, I know it. Lord Jesus, been there. Don't want to go there again. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Another version says that it is beyond cure. Another version says the heart is desperately sick. Desperately sick. If you say, if you're here today and you go, no, Pastor, not me. I'm good. I'm good. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, no, 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 I'm, I'm good, Pastor. Then all I can say to you, and I'm not trying to offend you, but if you're here and you're saying, I'm, I'm good, Pastor. Jesus didn't come for you. If you're here today and you say, I'm good, I'm good. Jesus did not come for you. You're good. You're good. See, when Jesus' disciples were asked in Mark chapter 2, verse 16, why does your master, why does this prophet, why does this Jesus you were with, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? In other words, why does he eat with people who are not good? Why does he eat with us? Why does he eat with people who are not good? On hearing this, Jesus said to them, it's like Jesus, I find always funny because was Jesus there going, mm, what are they saying over there? On hearing this, Jesus said to them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. 
I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. If, if you're here today and you say, I, I, I'm good. If you're good, you don't need Jesus. I'm just telling you. If you're good, you don't need Jesus. But if you're here today and you say, I've missed the mark. If you're here today and say, man, I struggle. Man, if you're here today and you're going, you're going, man, I've got pain in my life. I've got stuff that I'm trying to work through. If you're here, if that's you, if you're here today saying, man, I wish I was, I, I'm here, but I, wish, I should have been here by now, but I'm here. If you're struggling with stuff and battling for stuff, let me tell you, that's who He came for. He came for people like you. He came for people who are broken. He came for people who are desperate. He came for people who are in pain. He came for you. If that's you, if you're saying here today, I'm sick and in need. That's who He came for. He came for you. But if you missed the mark, if you've wandered from the path, if, you, if you're going, my life is not what it should be, He came for you. What for? Not to, you see, the Bible calls Jesus a friend of sinners. Now, now, now understand me. He's not a friend of sin. He's a friend of sinners. And understand when he hung around with sinners, it was not a sign of approval of what they were doing. It was a sign of you need to change. I'm here to redeem you. I'm here to make the sick well. I'm here to turn things around. Not for us to just stay where we are. He desires us to change, to get out of the, 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 the pit. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. It saved a wretch like us. It's not to keep us in the same place. It's to, to, to call us out. to redeem us, to change us. And the truth is the Bible teaches us that we all miss the mark. That's why we should be excited when we come into church because we're men, we're taking a moment and we're, we're, we're being reminded of what Christ has done that we couldn't do. How I was dead and I'm now alive because of what Christ has done. I couldn't do it in myself. And so I come here today thankful for His grace, thankful for His mercy that's new this morning because I messed up yesterday. See, the Bible teaches we all miss the mark. The Bible says there is none righteous, no, not one. Just in case you thought you were the one, no. Not one. I was riding my Harley a couple of weeks ago with Carl. We went over to Cape Palliser and we were riding home and it was time before we go over the Rumatuck because I thought, man, I've got to get some gas for this gas-guzzling beast of mine. And you've got to understand, when you, when you ride a Harley, I've been obviously riding for, for, for years. So when you're riding, there's a look. Okay, you, you've got to be cool. You can't ride a Harley like a nerd, okay? It's just, it's just not done. So you got, you got to look cool. So I'm, I'm riding along. I know I've got to get, get gas. I'm like, I'm, I am cool. I am. I'm, seriously, I am really cool. And I, I, I'm in there and I'm wearing my blue jacket, my, my other one like this. And I'm like, I, I'm trying to find my, my phone. You got to understand stuff falls out of my pockets. Last Monday, I lost my key in fielding and just dropped it on the forecourt. Someone found it again. Amen. Hallelujah. 
and so I'm always going, you know, it's like obsessive compulsive. Where is my phone? And so I'm looking for my pocket, my pocket. I'm like, where is the pocket? The pocket's gone. I'm trying to be cool, right? I'm about to pull into a service station. I'm like, where's my pocket? Where's my pocket? And I'm riding along and then I, then I look down at my jacket and I can't find my pocket. It's gone. And then I realised that my buttons that should be on this side are on this side. And not, they're not on the outside. They're on the inside. And then I realised my pocket was out here. And I was wearing my jacket inside out. All of us are wearing our jacket inside out. All of us, no matter how cool you think you are and how good you think you are and how smart and how much you're comparing, all of us, come on, preacher preaching, all of us are wearing our jacket inside out. Come on. That is our true state before a holy God. That is our true, true state. You can do a test you think you're good I just want to ask a question let's do it let's do a test how many have ever told a lie and it's not good if you don't put your thank you every every hand how many here have ever stolen something like a pencil or something or just maybe when you were young thank you Come, remember lying is still a problem I'm just telling you okay I mean I, when, when I was 12 my, my, my girlfriend at that time was not a needer stole a car and I got in that and I was driving the car 12 years old if you've heard my testimony I, and actually I couldn't drive I nearly crashed that uh, thing so we've all done dumb stuff right we've all done dumb stuff but if you if you've lied well, what does that make you a liar if you've stolen something what does that make you bunch of lying thieves you that's what you are we've all broken God's law we've all all of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God where does sin lead James tells us after desire has conceived it gives birth to sin and sin when it is full grown gives birth to death Matthew Henry said this, if we are ruled by sin, we will inevitably be ruined by it. I tell you, there's a high cost for low living. Romans 6 tells us for the wages of sin, the cost of sin, the wages of sin is death. It kills us and is killing us. We don't always see it. We don't always perceive it. God told, told Adam in Genesis 2, you, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat of it, you will certainly die. Another version says you will surely, surely die. But you see, the thing is they ate the fruit and they didn't die. They didn't die then and there, but, but what we do know is that the rut began to set in. 
The process of dying began. They did die as do now, so do we. Someone said sin slowly separates, isolates, eventually decimates our lives if we let it run its course. J.R. Tolkien, the great writer who wrote Lord of the Rings, was a, was a believer in Jesus Christ, friends of C.S. Lewis, who, who also wrote many amazing books. And throughout their novels, they put themes of the kingdom inside. And so when we think about what sin does, what needed to be destroyed, this death, this dying, you can, you can sort of, I guess, get a picture of what it was like, what the ring did to Smeagol, and that it sucked the life out of him. You see, sin is a song stealer, a strength sapper. It will rob you and ruin you slowly but surely. That's what it does. It robs your joy and ruins your life. Because it's not just a physical death, it's a spiritual death. J.C. Ryle said, sins begin like cobwebs but become iron clamps. It scarred the ecology of the universe. So what's the fix to this sin problem? What's the fix? Someone said sin may live in us, but we do not have to live in sin. I'll say it again. Sin may live in us, but we do not have to live in sin. So what does that mean? So you don't drown by falling into the water. You drown by staying in the water. Oh, I'll say it again. You don't drown by falling into the water. You drown by staying in the water. Get out of the water. Get out of the water. Get up and get out. Come on. Tap your neighbor. Say, get up. Get out. Don't stay in the water. How do we do that? Well, the Bible says we're to repent. 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 What does that mean? We'll come next week and find out. We'll talk about it in next week's service. Jesus came to comfort the disturbed and disturb the comfortable. If you're feeling disturbed right now, there may be areas in your life where He's just putting His finger. He, he doesn't condemn us. He just puts His finger on areas and goes, I'm talking about this area in your life. I'm talking about that area in your life. Allow yourself to feel the weight of it. I, I'm not... As I said, I'm not even today, I'm not even going to preach a solution. I can just move right on. It's just, and pre, because, because the Bible is a great story of redemption, the Bible is a great story. But I want us over this, this week just to feel the weight of our condition before a holy God. See, because here's the, here's the thing if sin is to miss the mark and to miss the standard, 
Well, when you, when, you, when you point at that other person in prison, when you point at that other person who's even in church even, well, I'm not like them. I'm not like that one. You heard what they did last summer? When, when, we, when we do that, we can, we can we, we, what are we doing? We're trying to lift ourselves up by pushing somebody else down and we can make ourselves look better. But that's not the standard God uses. He uses Himself. He is the standard. When we say we miss the mark, we, why have all of sin? Because He's the standard. He, he's the, he, he, and He is holy, holy, holy. And you and I are not. And that's why I say every altar call, it's not about how bad we are, because we bad. You bad. You are really bad. But it's about how good He is, because He paid the price. He paid the price. He paid the price to cleanse you of the weight of your sin. So you have to carry it no more. Thanks be to God. Every head bowed and every eye closed, nobody looking around. If you're here today and you know you need to get right with God, you know your sin is crushing you. You know, man, my song has been stolen. My strength is being sapped. And today I just want to afresh hand my life to you. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's you, in a moment, I'm going to pray a prayer that says, Jesus, just come be, be Lord today of my life. If you want to be included in that prayer, wherever you're sitting right now, would you just put your hand up? You know you need to maybe even recommit again. Recommit again. Thank you. Thank you. To the side here. Anyone else? Thank you down the back there. Thank you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Just pray this prayer with me, all of us together. Lord Jesus. I come to you today, a sinner in need of a Saviour. Today, I give you my life. Cleanse me, wash me, make me new. Thank you for your mercy that is new to me today. In Jesus' name.